We started off last week with uh, somewhat of an introduction. I hope we uh, were able to get you introduced to the material well, and we're going to continue on uh, with our primary introduction uh, here today into our subject matter. And so we kind of introduced last week that, again, this is a pistology course and a study of faith, and we broke down uh, what those two words mean in composition, as uh, I'm sure you guys often just come into these courses when we give these names and say, yep, I know exactly what they're going to be talking about in that, that session. <laughs> I kid. <laughs> um, and so well, one of the uh, important things that we talked about last week and tried to introduce to you is the importance of establishing biblical definitions. And so as we are studying faith, we need to understand what the Bible says faith is. And so someone, I think it was my mother last week, appropriately brought up that faith can be found in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 as the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so I made this neat little equation for, for you. I didn't do very well in my math classes, but I think it works out. Uh, so you have faith equals substance times these things that are hoped for plus evidence of things not seen. And so you bring all of those elements together or the other things you see on the other side of that and you have faith. Now, what is substance? That's what we want to look at first today. We're going to break out each part of this verse and um, break it down for you. So we have a real understanding of what these words are saying and what it means to add substance to something you're hoping for. And we'll break that down in just a moment. But let's start off with a, a word of prayer. Uh, Lynn, you want to open us? Amen. All right. And so uh, lexically speaking, uh, substance comes from the word hypostasis. And so you have hypo, which means under and stasis. Uh, it's that idea of to stand. And so something that uh, brings undergirding or, or, or an understanding to, to something. And uh, here literally from uh, Freiburg is as the ob objective aspect of an underlying reality behind anything with the specific meaning derived from the context. And so you can see it played out in, in scripture as an, an undertaking. And go with me over real quick. We'll look at a couple of these two. Second uh, Corinthians chapter uh, 9 and verse 4. And we see this word here. And we'll come back around and look at the whole development of this uh, verse at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 4. And as you're turning there, I'm going to give you my definition as well, as soon as I get there. Um, and so you see my definition, again, is from the composition of the preposition hupo, meaning under, and the noun stasis, meaning uh, to stand or is standing, and together giving the idea of a basis for one's view of a supposed reality. And so keep that in mind as we're uh, reading here. But in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, For as touching the ministry, ministering, excuse me, to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in, in this behalf, that as I said, you may be ready, lest happily if they from Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say uh, not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. And so you see here the uh, <laughs> uh, scripture that we come to, Often on Sundays when the pastor is trying to drill in people's head that it's uh, not by compulsion that you need to give, but by the leading of the Spirit. Uh, but what's the leading up to this? The Corinthian saints had made this promise to give a gift 
And other people saw what they were doing and were inspired to give also. So he's saying, hey, if you don't follow through on this thing, what are those people going to look at you as uh, that gave because of what you did? Um, but we see this word hypostasis here, and I'm trying to uh, find it here in the, the context, the confidence word, uh, that idea of an undergirding, something to put uh, substance behind uh, with reference to giving, uh, you see used here in this context. And so uh, the lexicon will look at it as a plan or, or a project in that context, but I think the word for substance is uh, perfect there as well. And so uh, we see it's also as God's uh, substantial nature of being. And so as you look at God and who he is, uh, what makes him God, we can see that over in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. And here the author says, some would say, uh, the same one who wrote the epistle that we just read. Um, he says here, God, who at sundry times and in uh, divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, uh, through whom also he made the worlds. Uh, or, or really here that word for worlds is our word for ages. Verse 3, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And so you see this idea of the um, uh, the the express image. The, the substance of what can be seen of God, that thing that uh, if, if we didn't have that, we wouldn't be able to see him. The only way that we were able to see him was how? His son coming in and taking on a human body and providing substance to that which could not be seen previously. And so uh, that, that gives you a real good understanding of the word for substance as we're looking in the aspect of faith. Because it's not that these things that we're looking at or we're placing our faith in aren't real. It's that our human perception can identify them currently. And think about it. We have a position in Christ that we're putting faith in that this position exists, right? You don't see the fact that you're seated at the right hand of the Father, but God the Father who created all things does. He looks to his right hand and he sees each one of you in him. Uh, and me too. <laughs> and so as you think about that, we, we can't, it's hard for us to fathom that, right? And to, to put substance to that. And so what faith does is it takes the evidence of things not seen. We don't see that we're seated at the right hand of, the, of, of, of God in heaven. And it provides substance to those things so that we have something real to place our faith in and, and to have hope for. Um, and so we see this. Um, we have other examples of Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 17. And I forgot in my notes that I put these examples and took some of the ones out of the lexicon there. But go back with me to Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 17. And we see this idea of substance here with regard to. Uh, the theoretical boasting of Paul. Now, Paul does this often. He uses these very various uh, rhetorical uh, devices. And here he's using uh, something that's not actually happening, but he's saying for the sake of argument uh, that these things might happen. Pick it up in verse 15. He says, Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, speaking of Satan, also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. I say again, let no man think me a fool if otherwise, yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. Verse 17, that that which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were, uh, were foolishly 
and this confidence of boasting. And so uh, if there were some boasting that we're going to come about here, he's saying that it would uh, be based on a substance that really here in the context is not real. It wouldn't be real for him to boast. He would be boasting of nothing. Uh, but you see that word used uh, as confidence there as well. Uh, also over in, um, we looked at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 in the out, outward appearance. Go with me over to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 14. And we see this used in the anatomy of faith and salvation. And let's pick this one up at uh, verse 13. And he says there, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. And we could go on there, but uh, you see that word for confidence used again. And so this word for for confidence is substance of those things that we've been promised. Right. And so, again, if you you think about all that we've been given in Christ and we're going to be looking at this as we look at uh, faith as it relates to salvation. But all the things we've been given in Christ, none of those things just appear to you in a flash. Right. You don't have something, uh, some billboard that you're marching around every day that only you can see that says, I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places and I've, I've been given a position in Christ. And as a result of that, I can be led by the Holy Spirit into every decision that I'm making. No, that's not the case. These are all things that you can't necessarily grasp and hold on to. You only live in your position in Christ and see them worked out through you. And so it's a little bit uh, different as you're walking in faith as opposed to uh, just thinking on these things. Now, uh, we look at the word for substance and the other part of it is hope, things that are hoped for. And so faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, the word for hope, if we, as we go back over to Hebrews chapter 11, comes from our word our, or the verbal form of our word, uh, elpidzomenon. Uh, and that's the uh, participial form there, uh, uh, actually. Um, but we see this word uh, used in a couple different places, but it's the actual action of hoping for something or placing your faith that something is going to take place. Now, we got into this a little bit last week of the difference between human hope as opposed to our hope that we have in Christ, right? You sit down in that chair and you have faith that it's going to hold your weight and that nothing's going to happen to you. And you just hope based on the history of things that have happened that this is going to be the case. Now, sometimes we sit down in chairs and that hope is misguided, right? We placed our, our faith actually in something that we, we couldn't necessarily validate and uh, we've all been there where you, you sit down on a chair. Well, I don't think we've all been there, but we've seen it where people have sat down on chairs and they didn't hold their weight and they, they fell. And they certainly weren't anticipating that happening. Right. And so uh, hope is, is a little bit different. It comes off from faith. But go with me over to First Peter, chapter three and verse five. We see this word used uh, in the verbal form and actually in this participial form that we see it uh, used in here. First Peter chapter three and verse five. Um, and pick it up in verse one. He says, likewise, ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word of God, they also may without the oh, really they're not the word, but a word uh, be won by the conversation of their wives. While they behold their your uh, chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of hair and of the wearing of gold or uh, of the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. 
For after this manner in old time, the, the holy women also who trusted in God adorn themselves being in subjection uh, to their very own husbands. As you, you look at this, um, he's talking about these women in, in times past. And that word for trusted is our word for hope. They, place, they actively place their hope in God. And that hope is a result of having faith in a promise that God has made. And that's what we're looking at here as we think of faith being the substance of things hoped for. God has made a promise that you can uh, base that hope on. And uh, as a result of it, you have faith. Now, uh, we see the other part of that, um, uh, what's in our parentheses there is things. Uh, and this is a result of uh, a thing or a matter. Uh, and so as you look at the Thayer's definition of our word for things there, it comes from the Greek word pragma. And you see that come across in our English language. If you listen long enough, you hear people say that someone is pragmatic, right? They think or, or they will get things accomplished by any means necessary or whatever works kind of idea. And that's uh, kind of what comes across here. It's that which has been done, uh, a deed, an accomplishment, uh, or excuse me, an accomplished fact. We won't go into the different places that you see that one used. You can scroll through some of the other um, definitions of it that's uh, given by Thayer's. Uh, but my definition is literally the product of something that is done. You've done an act, and as a result of that act, it's done. And so uh, the things hoped for, uh, uh, something that's that's been done or that you're hoping for based on uh, promises that God has made. Now, the other half of it is the evidence of things not seen. And so this word for evidence uh, comes from our, uh, our word meaning an occasion for convincing uh, on a thing or of a thing by evidence. There's actual fact that you have to back up something that's going to take place. And as we're thinking about God, what do we have with God that makes us think that uh, uh, something's going to take place? God's word, sure. So we have plenty of evidence to support the fact that God is going to do something. But here we don't have any visual evidence. All of the evidence that we have here from God is something that we're having to place faith in that somebody else said took place, right? And so that results in us having to put faith in it. We don't know. We're, we're taking based on God's word and what it says that he led men to write these words that he wanted them to write. And that's the basis for what all of you believe. If that weren't true, we all need to get up and walk out this door and go do what you would like to do otherwise. Because our whole basis for believing, our whole basis for living life in the way that we do is regarding something else that was written. And eventually that goes back to men and then back to God. And so uh, you can kind of see this work in that manner. Top of page two, we continue and you see that scripture uh, is able to provide proper evidence, as uh, uh, my mother said there, uh, to the hearer. Go back with me to Second uh, Timothy chapter three and verse 16. Second Timothy chapter three and verse 16. And pick it up in uh, verse 13. And he says there, but evil men uh, and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing whom or of whom thou hast learned them. Verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is uh, really here. And you can say is given by the inspiration of God, but literally it says is God breathed. And so we take the word at its word, what it says here. 
that God breathed out these words. And it doesn't matter if a man wrote them down. It's God that inspired them to write what they wrote. And how can we see that? Uh, For me, in my life, in the way that I live, as I'm led by the Holy Spirit, I can see him operating in my life. And so it's not much of a stretch to say, hey, if I can get up here and preach or and teach from uh, God's leading, God could have easily led men to write his word and write those things that he wanted uh, written down. And we see this here. Uh, and so all scripture is God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, uh, thoroughly furnished or truly furnished uh, unto every good work. And we see that there. So you see this uh, evidence uh, there is, is expressed through uh, scripture and, and the giving of scripture. And then we see the things that are unseen and it comes uh, straight across as we're looking back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse one in our word blepo, which has the idea of glancing on something. And so these things you haven't even had the ability to glance upon. Think about all of the things that we've been promised in Christ Jesus. And there are things that we place our hope in. Uh, I've talked about it before in sermons that we've done here uh, before, and I, I liken it to uh, my father. And when he would take us out driving, and everybody here knows that he, he wouldn't let us get behind the wheel of the car until we recited to him the five rules of defensive driving. <laughs> that he learned from FedEx. (laughs) Thank you, FedEx. (laughs) And so what one of these is to aim high in steering. And because of that, I've used this as as an example many times. Our Christian life and the things that we hope for in the future are not things that are right in front of us. They're things that are ahead. And what do they serve to do in our present? They keep us straight in our line so that we're not swerving into the other lanes uh, of traffic, and that's uh, something good came out of your <laughs> your teaching there. Uh, and so we see these unseen things; uh, they are, uh, are not there for physical sight or examination for us to look at, and they're unavailable in instances uh, where faith is required. And so, if you could see these things, you wouldn't need faith anymore, right? If God just uh, sent His Son back right now. Or if we could just look into heaven and see that we're seated at the right hand of God, would you necessarily need any faith in this? No. You would already know that these things are a reality. But we're having to place our faith in these things that God has said are true. And that's a a work for the uh, believer over the course of our Christian life to continue to put our faith in these things. Now, how does uh, faith affect the believer? is the next section we want to look at. Faith is a mechanism uh, for operation uh, used throughout the Christian life, as I just stated right there. And so it's not just that you believe the facts of the gospel and you're saved and that's it. You don't have to utilize faith anymore. We're utilizing faith in our present right now and we will be utilizing uh, faith in, in the future until we receive the full contents of all that has been promised to us by God. Now to operate, uh, uh, well, go with me over to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. And we'll come back here uh, several times throughout uh, the course of this class. But this is a very important one to grab a hold of. Now as you're going through chapter 2, uh, Paul paints a good picture of what we used to be. And he comes off of chapter one where he's describing all of these things that we've been given in Christ, mainly one that I always point back to. Uh, it, it was always funny to me, Pastor Dave, when somebody would sneeze, normally what do, what do you say when someone sneezes? You say, bless you. <laughs> well, Pastor Dave would always say, with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places every time. So that uh, uh, verse is just cemented in my head. Um, and, and that was always his retort. But it's a good lesson to everything that we have in Christ. You've been given, you have everything that you could possibly think of. And Paul goes through the whole first chapter to detail some of the things that we've been provided in Christ uh, by grace. And then he comes to chapter two and starts talking about where we were 
So just in case you were puffed up or proud of who you are because of what you've been given in Christ, remember what you were saved from. And so as we look at the beginning of chapter two, it says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power uh, of the error that word really there for authority, the spirit now working in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our, or we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And so we see an amazing work that was done to save us out of a condition that we could not save ourselves from. An amazing work that was done by God in Christ Jesus. Verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now you're starting to see some of the concepts of the things that we've been given and the things that are promised as a result of that position are going to follow. But we've been given some amazing things that we can't lay eyes on. We can't lay eyes on the fact of any positional truth that we've been given. And yet we trust and put our faith in the fact that it's a reality, that these things are true. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace by his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, speaking of faith, not of yourselves. It is the free gift of God. Uh, not by works or out from works, lest any man should boast. And so he goes on there and explains more of what we have in Christ. But uh, a lot of the in Christ and positional truths that we can see are right here in this book of Ephesians. And if we were teaching an in Christ class, I would spend more time there. But we're talking about faith. Uh, but you see the, the, the position that we've been given in Christ. And so the appropriate uh, the provision of the believer, we use faith. And so all of these things that we've been given as a result of our position in Christ. And what did it say there? We've been crucified, buried, and risen with Christ by spirit baptism. Any of you guys, uh, I don't know when everyone was saved. I was kind of young when I was saved, but I could still remember back to the time. And I don't remember... You might have a different experience. Uh, the Holy Spirit coming down and grabbing my spirit and <laughs> baptizing me and placing me into Christ. Did you guys see that? Maybe somebody had a, a different kind of experience than I had. No. OK. So so these aren't things. These are things that we're placing our faith in because God's word said it is true and said that it took place. Uh, seated at the right hand of uh, of God, the father. By imputation. And so as we look at the book of Romans, and we're going to get there a little bit later, but in chapter four, it talks about imputation, the things that God counts to have been so that, again, you and I don't necessarily see. One of those being that we are seated at the right hand of the Father, the indwelling Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, positionally. Uh, you are indwelling the persons of the Godhead. Any of you feel like that you're in God the Father or in God the Son or in uh, Christ or in the Holy Spirit? No, it's not something that we actively see. It's something that we place our faith in that it's true. And then resurrection life, the fact that you've been or have the opportunity to live out life as a result of the fact that you've been resurrected or seen as resurrected together with Christ. Now, the other side of that, and those aren't complete uh, uh, lists of things that we've been given pos positionally, but some of the major ones. Uh, and then the other side of that is possessions. And we've talked about this before. Uh, three and me, me and three. You being in the persons of the Godhead provides you a position. Those persons of the Godhead being in you provide you with possessions. And what are those? Uh, the indwelling persons of the Godhead. You have all three persons of the Godhead residing inside of you. 
What's the song that we sing on Sundays here? Once far from God and dead in sin, no light my heart could see. But in God's word, the life I found, now Christ liveth in me. Now that's just talking about one person, but we have the other two persons of the Godhead also residing within us. And so what can you show from that? You can show forth the parts of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if we're ever lacking in anything, any one of those parts of the fruit of the Spirit, one of the ones the pastor is talking about here on Sunday, is love. Now, it's hard for us to love some of our brothers and sisters in Christ sometimes. And probably me, it's a little bit difficult sometimes to love old Courtney <laughs> when you see Courtney in the flesh. Um, but when you're living in your position in Christ and the Holy Spirit is filling you, what is he going to do? He's going to fill you with love where that love is lacking and you're going to be able to direct that how you should to your brother and sister in Christ. Uh, and so that works the same way with the rest of the parts of the fruit of the Spirit. And so what does it look like when you're perfectly living out the parts of the fruit of the Spirit? You show forth eternal life. That's God's quality of life being lived out in human flesh. And that's something that uh, wasn't possible before as you look at the mystery uh, of eternal life. We won't go there now. And then uh, Christ's righteousness is afforded to you. And so it's not you that's acting right. It's Christ that already acted right. And because he's indwelling you and you're letting him take up the battle, uh, you're seen as acting right. And then the end result is godliness, uh, God's, uh, uh, and that's what I meant by eternal life, God's quality of life being seen out uh, in human flesh. Uh, now, to stabilize, <clears throat> as we look at uh, faith and the mechanism uh, being used in this uh, Christian life, it stabilizes the believer, uh, and, and you are able to um, look at, again, those future promises that you've been provided, and it provides you stability uh, in your present life. And so what are some of the things that we hope for, some of the things that we're looking off for in the future? We know we've been promised that we're going to uh, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is a total different judgment seat than what the uh, those are going to face at the great white throne. This is a judgment where not ourselves are judged, but our works are judged. And that's a thing of grace that the, we're not going to have to carry all of the, the things we messed up on in this life into heaven. Those things are going to be behind us. And so you go into heaven after this beam of seat judgment completely cleaned up. And that's something to look forward to uh, with the rapture. Uh, and that should have been in, in reverse order there. Uh, but you see the rapture uh, also is something we can look forward to. Uh, and the forever identification with Christ. What, is it, what does the word say? So shall we ever be together with him. We won't be separated from him anymore. And we know that he indwells us now and we're as close to him at the right hand as we could ever be. But imagine that you're not going to have to place faith in the fact that he's there because you're going to see him <laughs> right next to you. And we will be forever identified with the person of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing to look forward to. And then um, the resurrection. And so as we think about uh, being resurrected and given new bodies. Uh, we have aches and pains in these bodies that, <laughs> and different things that, that bother us in these bodies, mental parts of living in these bodies that are, are, are very tough, right? And, and this is a, all a part of living. And imagine that all of that, when we get our new bodies, is going to be gone. And so that's something that we can place faith in, look forward to, and hope for. Uh, the reigning together with Christ. It says that we're going to be inheritors of all things together with Christ. And so that's something that we look forward to. Now, uh, the last thing by way of introduction, again, we're going to reiterate the uh, types of faith that we're going to look at over the course of this uh, uh, class. And so faith as it relates to salvation will be our first uh, endeavor into faith. And then faith with the articular usage. And so what is the faith. We're going to look at that. And then faith in action and faith as a gift from God. And so we did kind of touch on that, uh, that you're given the gift of faith to believe 
And yet there's a, another part of that gift of faith. There's actual spiritual gift of faith as well. And so we'll touch on both of those. Uh, into section two, and we'll start with looking at faith as it relates to salvation. Now, faith and uh, salvation, uh, we want to look at it as it pertains to the saints prior to grace. And so, you know that there were believers um, way back, even before the Jews, that were saved on the basis of faith and, and the same way that we are, but with a different object, right? God the Father saved them. It was him uh, by grace and through faith. There was something that they placed their faith in. Uh, but before we get there, we want to look at uh, a couple of different things. And uh, salvation is always by God, by grace, through faith. And so we could go and validate that. But we're just there in Ephesians chapter two and verse eight. Uh, salvation is always required or, or always requires faith. And so there's no way that you're going to be able to save yourself apart from faith. There's nothing that you can do. Uh, and think about it. There are many that have said, and think about the uh, the Israelites on the other side of uh, Mount Sinai. What did they say? All that God has said to do, we can do it. And really there you go to a little bit later in the chapter. They said, we can do everything you said to do and continue to do it. We'll go on doing it forever. Because they thought that there was something they brought to the table and weren't willing to just rest in the work that he had already done. And place faith in the one that was able to deliver them so miraculously out of Egypt. You would think, boy, ten plagues <laughs> brought us through the wilderness, brought us all the way across the dead or the, or the Red Sea, and drowned the whole army of Egypt. Wouldn't that be a great thing to place your faith in, right? And say that he can do it the rest of the way. No, 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 no. They said we can do it. And we'll look at them a little bit further here in a moment. Um, but the believer uh, prior to grace's place or, or prior to grace placed their uh, individual faith in an object provided by God. And the believers uh, believer was counted uh, believers faith is what I was trying to say. It was counted by God. Uh, or, boy, I mess that all up. The believer was counted by God to have acted right uh, through faith and anticipation of the uh, coming work of Christ. And that's one thing we, we try to point out here often is there are distinctions between what happened in the Old Testament, but this was always pointing to what Christ was going to accomplish. There was nothing that they did, even in what they did and acting right because they um, accomplished whatever it was God wanted them to accomplish in the Old Testament that took the place of the work that Christ was going to accomplish. It was ultimately what was necessary and required for all righteousness, uh, as the word says. Uh, point three, salvation prior to the dispensation of grace uh, is based on was based on faith. Uh, grace imputed uh, based on the expectation of the uh, accomplished work of Christ. Now go back with me over to John chapter one and verse 16. We will be here a couple times because it shows uh, interesting things. Relating to those that were saved prior to grace. And in verse 15, it says there, John uh, bear witness of him, uh, speaking of the Lord, and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. For he was always, or excuse me, continually was really there before me. And of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. Now that word grace for grace there, you could better translate it that for instead of. It has the word anti. And so they were provided grace instead of grace. We get one kind of grace. They got another kind of grace. There was something uh, in it that was different. And so it was imputed to them again based on the expectation of the coming work of Christ. There was nothing again that, that was uh, similar for them uh, uh, to the grace that they were provided uh, as to what we were provided it was quite different. Uh, and you see here uh, believers during Christ's earthly ministry were given the authority 
by this to become sons of God uh, prior to his ascension. And so when we're saved, what happens? You become a son of God and you're placed, having been placed into Christ and having that position in him, you're seen as a son. They were given the authority during Christ's earthly ministry to become sons of God so that those that were saved then, they lived, as you see in the book of Acts, and they lived into that dispensation. And what happened? The Holy Spirit came down and they had the Holy Spirit indwelling in them and they became sons of God. Uh, but they were not seen as sons of God during uh, Christ's earthly ministry. Pick it up in verse 10. It says he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own. And speaking of uh, creation there, you could really say his own things and his own received him not. And that's speaking of uh, a masculine there of people. His own people received him not. But as many as received him to them, he gave uh, not power there, but authority to become the born ones of God, even to them that believed in uh, his name. And so uh, it's very important that word for born ones there as opposed to the word for sons. As you think of, about it, what does it mean? Those ones that have been here, we've talked about the differences before. But uh, you having a position in a family of privilege, being the eldest son, being that mature son. Uh, if, if we were in uh, another part of the world, it would matter more. If we were in the times when uh, possessions and passing things on mattered more, it would, it would be a little bit different. Uh, but in, in those times, it meant something to have a son and to pass things down to that individual. And usually it was the eldest son that received these things. Uh, and so, uh, but this word here is our word for born ones and having been born legitimately into a family uh, and one that, that came that way from another. And so he gave them authority to become born ones of God. How did they become born ones? They came, became born ones just by what Jesus is going to talk about here a little bit later by being born again. And he didn't mean going back into the mother's womb and coming out again. He meant by being born again through a work of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, this was going to be possible for these these individuals. Uh, in verse 17, we see it was always anticipated that the work of Christ and not the work of the individual uh, would would uh, be important there. And pick it up in uh, verse 16, where we, we left off with uh, talking about grace instead of grace. And it says, and of his fullness have we all received and grace instead of grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so it was him. It was always him uh, again in the work that he accomplished. Now, faith is uh, in salvation uh, prior to grace. We want to give a few examples uh, of this. And so uh, one of the prominent examples we see throughout the New Testament of one that was saved even prior to Israel and prior to the law is Abraham. And we see that Abraham, uh, by faith and by what he uh, ended up believing, was saved. Go with me over to Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. Now, Abraham's an interesting case because he believed and then he would uh, go off and show areas of doubt in what God had told him uh, several times to come. But then he would show faith again. But I think his initial belief was in the initial promise that was made to him uh, by God concerning his seed. Uh, but we see this here in chapter four. Uh, and, and this is a chapter, again, that deals with a lot of imputation of what God is counting uh, to be true on the behalf of those that believe. But in uh, verse one, it says, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified, this word for justified just has the idea of being declared righteous uh, out from works. He hath whereof to boast or to glory, but not before God. And so if there were things that God had set up that Abraham could do and Abraham adhered to those things. If someone else were looking from the outside, they would say, hey, he did what was right. Right. And we see it all the time with different people we look at. And you might look at someone and say, well, that person's living a good life. 
but you have no idea where their relationship is with reference to God. And so it's a real individualized thing uh, when you're looking at and judging the actions of individuals. Verse three, it says, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. And there's our word for faith. He, he, he directed faith toward a promise that God had made. And it was counted to him or unto him for righteousness. Now, what is this that Abraham believed in or he placed his faith in? I think it goes right back to Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. And uh, go back with me there into the Old Testament and we'll look at it. Now, um, I see an error in my notes. Paul didn't write in Genesis chapter 15. <laughs> I was carrying that over from Romans. Oh, yeah, no, no, that was okay. Yeah. Uh, contradicting myself incorrectly. But in uh, Genesis chapter 15, and let's pick it up in verse 1. It says, After these things, a word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, or Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eleazar uh, of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given, or, uh, hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is, uh, is mine heir. Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that uh, shall come forth from thou, thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now uh, toward the heaven, and tell the, tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And what did Abraham say? Boy, that's a lot of stars up there. <laughs> I can't see this happening. And I'm pretty old, by the way. No, he says, and, Ab uh, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And so you see, uh, faith from Abraham directed at a promise uh, made from God. And so faith there uh, with our word, and we're going to look at this uh, a little bit later, but this idea of faith here in the Old Testament, uh, and I think we talked about it in our introduction a little bit, comes from the word amen. And so when you say amen to someone's blessing, what are you saying? You agree with what they're saying. And so basically Abraham agreed with what God said to the point that he was willing to place uh, faith in what he said. Uh, and so I say here in the notes, Abraham deemed uh, as reality in his own mind the promise that was made by God, uh, though he didn't see the physical reality. And so he could physically see the stars. He could physically know that God had made this promise to him, but he couldn't see it happening in his own mind. And so he had to, to add the substance to it through his faith. Uh, and God in turn counted Abraham's faith again for righteousness. Now, the elements of uh, Abraham's salvation uh, and kind of broke this down a little bit here. You see the object that's provided is God's promise of abundant seed despite the lack of a, a child. And so uh, you could you could see Abraham here just saying, well, I don't have any any kids. It's not going to happen. And God come to him and say, oh, this is going to happen. And you say, oh. <laughs> I just don't see it. God, it's not going to happen. You're saying I'm going to have all of these multitudes of seeds that come from me. I, I just want one. <laughs> and I don't even have that yet. And so uh, Abraham didn't do that. He placed faith in what God had said. And so Abraham, uh, Abraham's belief, not belief there, uh, that God was able to accomplish what seemed impossible is, is where the belief for his faith comes into play. And then the basis is... Uh, uh, the, the yet to become accomplished work of Christ. And so uh, God, again, was saving him, even through that one act of placing faith in what he had said, 
was saving him on the basis of what Christ could, was going to accomplish. He could look far off into the future uh, and see what was going to happen. Now, the salvation, uh, the father uh, called Abraham, uh, that appropriation of faith uh, at his promise, good enough for Abraham's salvation. And so what does that tell us about God? God can establish whatever he wants to <laughs> to be the basis for your individual object of faith. And it doesn't have to be the same with every single person that comes along. A lot of people were saved in different ways. We're going to see another one here in a moment uh, in Rahab. They weren't saved the same way. They didn't believe the same things. And it was all yet again in the future pointing to what the, what the Lord was going to accomplish. Uh, the faith proved... Uh, his approval by imputing righteousness to Abraham for faith that he gifted him. Now, again, as you're looking at these people that are, are saved in the Old Testament, as far as I understand, it wasn't that they wrestled up this, this faith on their own. It's something that God gave them to be able to believe. And they believed it based on what God had done. And then the father uh, maintained the salvation that he promised in spite of the future acts of unbelief by Abraham on the basis of Christ's future work. Now, we could go through the story of Abraham and see the many times where he uh, didn't display faith. One of them that stands out to me is when uh, he would go into these towns and Sarah, his wife, was beautiful. And what did he say? These, these men are going to come after Sarah and they're going to kill me so they could have her. Now, that's not showing a lot of faith in the God that you just placed faith that he was able to uh, give you a seed as large as the stars, right? You would think if he had that kind of faith in that act, he surely God could deliver you out from the hands of a few men that wanted uh, your wife. But he didn't uh, see things that way. And so there were many instances of unbelief to follow. Now, uh, Rahab, the harlot we see was saved uh, through faith, uh, that God, the God of Israel, uh, was God of all. And I forgot to write down my reference here, but go with me over to Hebrews and we can uh, see the, the general one. Could you pull that verse real quick while we're looking that up? Uh, uh, for Rahab, the harlot. Uh, No, I, I'm looking up the New Testament one. I don't know how I forgot to write those down. And in verse 31 of chapter, uh, while the pastor pulls that, we'll just look at this one. And remember, now, what's different when you look at a lot of these uh, New Testament examples of faith of these Old Testament uh, believers here in the Hall of Faith? Uh, you're seeing them act on faith in time. And what you have to do with Rahab here is to think through uh, what was it that she believed and why did she uh, deliver those spies on behalf of Israel? Uh, well, here it says in verse 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies uh, with peace. And so what happened? Joshua 2, 1 through 10. You know what? Let's let's come back to this one next week because we have a, enough time here to to leave off. And I'll write that one down and we'll we'll look at it next week. But uh, we'll come back and look at Rahab here in um, Hebrews chapter eleven and verse one, and then the Old Testament reference there in Joshua uh, chapter two. I thought you said thirty-one. Did I? Ah. 31, I'm sorry. <laughs> One would be the, the faith verse.